Let me say it is a joy to be here today. For those of you who are visiting with us, I am not the regular preacher here. They're looking for a real preacher, and until they find one, uh, I have been speaking here from time to time. So if you, and we have some visitors, some of them are my dear friends that I have known for decades, and I love them in the Lord. Um, I have a confession to make. This has been a week when I have struggled about maybe what the Lord wanted me to preach. <clears throat> now, since I was at one church for 41 years, I have about 2,000 scripted sermons. But this sermon is a new sermon that I think the Lord has uh, given me. But I'm a little uh, anxious because some of you are going to think, that I'm dabbling in politics. I am not here today to talk about politicians. I believe with all my heart, we don't need new politicians. We need a new Pentecost. We need the Holy Spirit of God to come and invade our churches. In fact, I think the hope of our nation is not in Washington, D.C., but it's when God's people get right with him. And so I want to begin today and add one verse to the text that I will read. And I was reading this, and it is in Psalm chapter 11. This is a psalm that David wrote. The Holy Spirit said through David, and listen carefully at these words. When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? David was living in a time when he, his nation that he was leading was having all kinds of problems. And the question was asked, what when the foundations, those truths, those things that are built upon the word of God, when they are destroyed, what will the righteous do? Paul, when he was writing to the church in Rome, said this, and do this, understanding the present time, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness and sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissensions and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Let me tell you a true story. It happened between World War I and World War II. It was a dark day for the United States Navy because one of their submarines collided with a vessel off the Cape, of, uh, Cape Cod in Massachusetts. And the submarine sank. And back then they did not have a lot of uh, efforts to rescue but the oxygen was running very low. One of the divers dove down that with those uh, deep sea diving suits 
and he heard tapping on the shell of the sunken submarine. And whoever was on the inside, and there were probably a few dozen sailors inside that submarine, and one of them was tapping in Morris code, and this was the question. It was a pointed question, a powerful question. Is there any hope? And folks, I have to tell you today that as a preaching pastor for almost 60 years, as I look at the nation in which we live, I wonder sometime if we keep going the way we have been going for the last 20 or 30 years, I wonder if there is any hope. Because even in the Old Testament, David wanted to know when the foundations of, are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? There was a great Bible teacher whose name was John Phillips, and in the middle 80s, he commented on this verse. And I want to read what he said in the middle 80s about this verse. He said, the foundation of society is law and order, justice and truth. These foundations are being destroyed in our Western society today. And then he went on to say, humanism prevails in our society. A determined attack is being mounted against everything that is decent and moral and Christian in our society. Now, if that was true in the middle 80s, I wonder what he would think about 2023. Several years ago, I was preaching in Poland to a church there, and I told them as I stood up and with the translator, I said, America is not a Christian nation. But I want you to know, folks, that we were founded on the principles and the ethics of the Judeo-Christian faith. For those of you who know history, you will know that in 1620, the pilgrims and the uh, Puritans landed off of Cape Cod and they created a document which was one of the first documents that governed our nation. And those pilgrims and Puritans signed it and this is what it said. Now keep in mind that today we are a humanistic, Nation, But at the beginning, it says, we have undertaken this task, this task of a new nation. We have undertaken it for the glory of God and of the Christian faith. I did a sermon many years ago on July the 4th, and I did some research on the original charters of some of the 13 original colonies. And at least two or three of them in their original documents, these states like Georgia and Maryland, South Carolina and some of those others, they mentioned Christian faith. And though today we are not Christian, this nation was founded upon Christian ethics. The idea that we are a society of laws, that is a Christian concept, the Ten Commandments, 
is a series of commands. How do we live with one another and how we live with God? Our foundations, 40 years after John Phillips wrote what he did, is indeed under attack. Now, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the institution of family. Folks, there's nothing more important today outside of your personal faith in Jesus Christ than the family. A good society is built on the family. Your family is important. My family is important. We love our children and our grandchildren. We must know that God created the family. Family was not invented by man. It was invented by God. The Bible tells us, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. We have reinterpreted the family. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. The family, basically, in the sight of God, should be one man and one woman. Not two men, not two women. Now, I know we're living in a different age, but I believe if the foundations are being destroyed, we need to understand it is God's standard what family is, not the Supreme Court. May I say also that we living in a time when free speech is being threatened, and by that I mean, and I know what I'm talking about, some of the things that I will say today, some of the things that I've already said, in Canada today, I could be charged legally with hate speech and possibly be arrested because I have said that a home is basically one man and one woman. Folks, we are humanistic. We are secular. And if the foundations of this great country are destroyed, what will the righteous do? We are living in troubled times. If you take today all the ethnic groups of our nation, did you know that a little over 50% of children that are born today are born without a father in the home? Folks, that's a horrible statistics, that over 50% of precious little babies that are born are born with no father in the home. Our father's perfect? Absolutely not. But I believe that potentially a child will do better if there's a parent, a woman, and a man seeking to rear that children, child to be a responsible citizen. I'm talking about the home. I'm talking about the structure of the family. I'm talking about those things that are dear to the heart of God And it ought to be dear to us. We're living in a day when abortion is a political issue. Folks, abortion is not a political issue. That is a moral issue. And we must speak up and we must speak out. And they're told us that we ought to keep quiet. But I believe that 
a child that is conceived is sacred in the sight of God. And we have no right to kill children in the womb. I say to you today that in the last 50 years, they say that 30, 40, maybe even more, million have been aborted. I heard the former governor of this state say, I heard him say it myself. The question was asked, what if a child is born and that child is not wanted, what do you do? I heard him say, at birth we set them aside, keep them comfortable, and let them die. Folks, we are living in troubled times. And the question is, what will the righteous do when the foundations are being destroyed? I love this country. I'd rather live here. I am not a world traveler. I've been to, I think, eight different countries, and there are some beautiful countries out there, but I would rather be in America than any place else. I certainly would rather be here. Maybe Chile is an exception. But anyway, (laughs) I will say this, that Poland is a beautiful place. Slovakia is a beautiful place. Canada is a beautiful place. But I'd rather live here. I am thankful that I am a citizen of all the places we could have been born. And with all the problems that we have, I am glad to be a Christian in a place where we can still, at least today, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we ought to be concerned. We ought to, and the question is, should we be concerned? At least I am concerned. I think it is an important question. You see, when we get over to Romans, and he said, and do this, understanding the present time. Now, Paul was talking about his time, but you see, this book, I believe like Franklin Graham, if you've seen his little thing on TV, he says, I don't understand everything in the Word of God, but I believe everything in the Word of God. See, I, 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 I think that God knows more than man knows, and there are things that trouble me that I don't understand, but I believe what God says is more important than what man says. And he said, and do this, understand the present time. I, I believe we're, we're living in urgent times. I, I think we're living in, in, in times that are troubled. Who was it that said? Thomas Paine during the American Revolution said, these are the times that try men's souls. And I believe we're living in trying times. And as Christians, we ought to be concerned. The time is urgent. It is an important question. Robert Bork, you remember, he was turned down for a a spot on the Supreme Court because he was too conservative. And then he wrote a book, Slouching Toward Sodom. He was talking about America. And he says, as a nation... We are slouching toward Sodom. I've got some news for you. We're not slouching toward Sodom anymore. Folks, we've arrived and we've decided to pitch our tents. 
We're living in a time when the very things that we hold dear as a Christian, we are told to celebrate things that we believe is not in harmony with the will of God. We need to be those people who are praying people, people who believe we are a nation of laws. That's what makes a nation a nation. Now, let me say a couple of things, so sit up straight and smile. We're supposed to be, and I'm grateful to live in Franklin County. I thank God for our law enforcement officers. We have some here today, and when I was in Franklin Heights, we had several policemen and state troopers, and I am grateful for them and the work that they do. But folks, in our nation, we're, we're living in a lawless time. Why in the world do we permit people to go into a drugstore and if they steal $895, they're not even arrested. If you get over $900, they may arrest you, but probably not. We've become lawless a nation, by definition, must be ruled by a set of law. You say, well, I don't like law. Well, then that's contrary to the Word of God. We who are the people of God, we are a, a nation of laws. And I believe not only that, I, I believe that the biblical definition of marriage, and, and by the way, you know what the, the role of government really is? The role of government is to protect the citizens. That's the primary role of government. And we are becoming kind of socialistic, and I, that's not a political statement, I, I, but I know what I'm talking about. We are becoming more socialistic, and I, I believe the gospel flourishes better. Now, the gospel can flourish in any circumstance. And when the communists took over China... The church still flourished, and there were millions of Chinese who believed in Jesus Christ. But I believe that we who are the people of God need to know that we're living in in urgent times, but yet nobody seems to be concerned that we have a $31 trillion debt. Now, you know how we're, we're almost talking about some real money here. At 31 trillion has 13 zeros after it. Well, that didn't mean anything to me, preacher. Well, put this in your pipe and smoke it. Did you know if you started counting from one and you took until you got to three, 31 trillion, and if you allowed one second per count, one, two, three. Now, you can do that in a second, but when you get to 452,338, it takes a second to do that. You see what I'm saying? Now, when you count from 1 to 31 million, you know how long it takes to do that? 1 million years. Mathematicians do crazy stuff like that just to interest people like me. But we're under a load of debt, and you cannot survive if we live in debt. I'm not concerned about me. I'm so old, they're going to still pay me Social Security. But some of you young people, you're going to be hurting. So we need to be 
concerned about the things if the foundations are being destroyed. Now, when I was preaching at a, um, Franklin Heights, we had between retired and, and, and those that were in service, we had 30 school teachers. Well, how do you know? Well, I counted them. And I am grateful for the school system in Franklin County. I don't know much about it now. I had two children to go to and grandchildren, but I don't, I don't know much now. And, but I thank God for our school system. But when you talk about nationwide, folks, I don't want some school teacher telling a five- or six-year-old to consider their sexual identity. That's for the home. That's for parents to talk about. Teaching is to be taught stuff, not indoctrination. And I'm saying today that these are the things that concern me. Maybe you're saying, well, you're being political. No, if the foundations are being destroyed, then answer the question, what are the righteous going to do? If we redefine marriage, what is the righteous going to do? If we indoctrinate children in socialism, what is the righteous going to do? If we have become a lawless society where people can blatantly and malignantly break the law, what will the righteous do? That is the question that is posited in the Word of God. And so, Paul gives us some instruction. By the way, all of I just, what I just said is introduction. Y'all have been telling me that I don't preach long enough, so here it is. No, I've got 15 minutes to talk about it's time for the church to wake up. If half of what I have said today about our nation is true, if half of it, now I haven't lied about anything, but if half of it is true, folks, we need to do what Paul says Understand the present time. The hour is now. It's come to wake up from slumber. You see, when he says to wake up, that says we've been asleep. And I will say that I believe that perhaps maybe the church today in America, we're so busy counting nickels and noses that we're not dealing with issues that affect us. We need to talk about what it means to be Christian. What it means to be a legitimate follower of Jesus Christ. See, we have created in America, listen to me, a middle-class Jesus. And a middle-class Jesus doesn't really expect too much of his followers. A middle-class Jesus really does not teach what Jesus thought when Jesus said, Take up your cross and follow me. The cross was an instrument of death. And if I am to be the kind of child of God, if if I'm going to represent Jesus Christ, then I must know something about what it is to die to what I want so that God may have what he wants. Jesus says, if you follow me, take up your cross and die to self. Time for us to wake up. We need revival, folks, in America. It's been way over 150 years since we have had a genuine 
spiritual Holy Spirit revival. Oh, we have people going to church, but yet it's hard to tell when you look at Christian people. It's hard to tell where the church ends and the world begins because so much of us are just like the world. Let us wake up. That's what Paul said. It's time to wake up out of slumber because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Now, maybe you think I'm old. Well, I know you think I'm old-fashioned, but I believe one day Jesus is coming. And I, I, I believe that we're going to have to stand before God and give an account. The Bible tells us this appointed unto man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. And if Jesus comes, and I believe he could come this afternoon, sure would solve a lot of problems. I want to say this. He says not only all we need to wake up, but he, he said we need to clean up. Where, where does it say that, preacher? He said, well, in verse 13, he says, let us behave decently as in the day, not in orgies and drunkenness and sexual immorality and debauchery and dissension and jealousy. You see, those are the marks of the unchristian world, the church. Now, he was writing to the church. He said, it's time for us to, to wake up and, and behave, behave. You know, we try to teach our children to behave. What does that mean? Well, you have to, have to go by the, the, the rules. You have to, as a Christian, this is our book, and we need to try to go by it. And I know we're all sinners, and we all fall short, but don't you agree with me? It's time for the church to have a spiritual revival. And he says you need to wake up and clean up. By the way, I... I, th- I thought, what does that cleanup mean? Well, <clears throat> let me illustrate it. I guarantee you that you do not look like right now what you did when you woke up this morning. <laughs> now, I-, I will say this. You, you ladies have done a good job. <laughs> and-, and you men, us men... I'll just say we didn't have much to work with anyway. (laughs) But I believe what I'm trying to say is that when we get up and we we clean up, you know, we kind of try to look halfway decent. God is telling us in his word as a Christian, spiritually, we need to wake up. We need to quit sleeping. The world is dying and going to hell and We need to wake up to what's really important. Folks, how much money you make, how much money you have in the bank, how big your house is, it won't mean anything before God. The only thing that makes a difference are you ready to go into the presence of God. And I thank God that I had a preacher's wife who, when I was 10 years old, told me about Jesus Christ, and my life has never been the same. He said that we need to wake up, and then he says we need to clean up. Don't, don't act like the world and, 
and orgies and drunkenness and sexual immorality and debauchery. You see, folks, those are the things that we are told to celebrate that we used to be ashamed of. And, and the media's into that. They, they talk about it. And, and, and we have pictures that are coming into our home just on regular TV that is propagating an unbiblical view of the family. And we're being indoctrinated to think it is normal. It is abnormal and it's an offense to God. I may not be able to preach here next Sunday. I don't know. <clears throat> but anyway, and then the third thing he says, yeah, the third thing he says, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. When I, when I put this in my sermon outline, I told the secretary, I said, now put on in the outline, clothe yourself in Jesus Christ because I don't want any of those young people to think that I'm knocking wearing jeans. I'm not talking about that. I mean, you know, you, you can wear Bermuda shorts for all I care, just be covered up. But he's not talking about physical dress there. He's talking about spiritual dress. You remember we're called uh, soldiers of Christ and, and we're to put on the whole armor of God. Here, he, he changes the figure a little bit. He says, don't act like the world, but he says, clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is not one Christian here today, and you begin with me, we're not perfect. We have weaknesses. We sin, and we have to confess but I want you to know that because of the grace of God and the shed blood of Jesus, we've got a home in heaven. Amen? And therefore, we ought to act like it. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Ooh, I like that. Clothe yourself. In other words, act like a Christian. And, and tomorrow, you're going to have an opportunity somewhere Somewhere something will happen and you can either act ugly or act like a Christian. Somebody's going to say something that hurts your feelings and you can act like a Christian or you can act like the world. And folks, the problem is, is too many of us sometimes act like the world. Remember in David's time, he surrounded him with men and it says that the men of Issachar, they understood the times. Christians, we need to understand the times. We're living in difficult days. We're, we're living in days that call for our best. We need to clothe ourselves in Jesus Christ. And let me conclude with this. <clears throat> With all of my heart, I, I, uh, I, I'm not against politicians, but I believe the hope of America, if we will do what we're told in, uh, in Chronicles, God says, if my people, those that belong to him, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins 
and I will heal their land. Healing will come to America when the people of God humble themselves and pray and repent and ask God to revive our soul. Amen. And so you may not have agreed with some things I said, and, and that's all right, but you have to love me because if you don't, you'll go to hell. That's what the Bible says. I said that one time when I was preaching at a big church, and there was a fellow there who hated me. He didn't like to, well, that's when I had hair, and he did not like me. He didn't like the way I parted my hair. He didn't like the way anything, I did anything. He did not like me. And I said, I said, even though you disagree, you got to love me. If you don't, you're going to go to hell. Did that upset him? I guess it did. But I'm serious. I'm serious about the things of God. I'm 83 years old, folks. I don't have long. It won't be long until I'll be going home. And I want you to know that unless the church sees revival, there's no hope for America. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Oh, folks, the answer to our nation's ills is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you for your mercy and grace. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to awake out of sleep. Our salvation, Lord, is nearer than when we first believed. And I pray, O oh God, that even in this good church, there might be one pe- people who will Rise to the challenge and say, Lord, use me for your good and glory. In Christ's name I pray, amen.